Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome into the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. That's right. We've got Dusty sitting in for Andy. No need to adjust your channel. It is Surprise. Dusty sitting in. <laughs> How about that? Uh, Andy is out on assignment, Dusty. Now, that, that's if the assignment is going someplace warm and hitting a golf ball. So, so he's got a great assignment. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, but we've got Dusty in today. And Dusty, I want to talk to you about the incoming freshman. And before we get there, though, let's talk late addition to the class of 23 offensive lineman, Chimney Ono. That's the best I could do on pronunciation, Dusty. Six foot six, 270 pounds, listed as an offensive tackle. Just keeps adding to this offensive line. I mean, I think they've really bought into the fact that you can't have too many talented offensive linemen in, in your pipeline because this this class, I, I already thought that the 23 class was maybe Penn State's best offensive line class under James Franklin. You know, when you lead it off with two guys who at some point, you know, David Williams from Wyoming, who we'll talk about, and Alex Birchmeyer, you know, these are polished athletic kids who are you know, maybe one among the top at their position in the country. So you, you lead off with those two. And I know they really like Anthony Donko from Virginia, but now you add this kid late in the game, you know, he's in, in the 24 seven sports site rankings, uh, number 13 offensive tackle in the country, number 149 player overall. This is no small time addition. And by the way, the, the late addition in last year's class was much, wasn't this highly regarded, uh, but still, made an impact in year one and established himself as somebody that the coaching staff really liked um, in Vega Iwane. So this is a really nice addition. They also added an offensive lineman in the 25 class, a four-star from New Jersey who's high too. So the offensive line uh, movement, it, it keeps happening. And the way that they performed and the way the talent shook out last year, the way they played through injury and stuff like that, boy, I'm not sure if there's been a time where there's been more legitimate uh, optimism about the state of Pennsylvania, Penn State's offensive line than there is right now. Little foreshadowing here, Dusty. When we do ask Andy or ask Dusty, there is an offensive line question. So keep that in the back of your mind that uh, you're going to be talking offensive line quite a bit today. Speaking of which, we want to talk about the early impact of this class of 23. And one of the things, Dusty, that we found last year is this Penn State coaching staff is willing to play freshmen. And a year ago, they were in the sexy positions. You had quarterback Drew Aller, you had running back Nick Singleton, and that doesn't even mention, you know, like Catron Allen and Abdul Carter. This year's class of 23, it's about the offensive line, as you alluded to. And right at the very top are Javen Williams and Alex Birchmeyer. In a normal year, you would never think about freshmen playing that first year at offensive line. Could be different with these two, though. I think their athleticism and their pedigree 
makes them candidates to to burn red shirts should that need arise. And I would I would put them, you know, I think bringing up Drew Shelton. And by the way, you say the sexy positions, but Penn State established uh, a lot of excitement about, about Aller and the running backs. Um, also, Abdul Carter, but left tackle Drew Shelton played and played at a pretty high level when he was needed. An edge rusher. So it's like all the premium positions you can ask for. Penn State has what I would call maybe like a young cornerstone type player. But I think what we saw last year is that the the probability of your five starters along the offensive line, and that's assuming that Javen Williams and Alex Birchmeyer don't make a run at that. They've got enough depth that it's hard to believe that they'd be starters out of camp. But, you know, Drew Shelton, I wouldn't have anticipated that he played either. And I would say, arguably, that Javen Williams and Alex Birchmeyer are both better prospects uh, than Drew Shelton was at the same time of their careers. Williams is so at 6'4", 285, he is such a dynamic athlete that he is going to, not that he's going to make the game look easy, but it's going to really help with the transition to the next level because he was, he's already where you want him to be a, as a college offensive tackle. So if the need arises there, um, again, Williams is a really good candidate to play in a perfect world. Probably you're not gonna you're not gonna play this guy. Uh, Alex Birchmeyer is, is an interesting one too. You know he's right around the same dimensions, around 6'5", 285 pounds. I think the number one interior offensive lineman in the country. And I just think that Penn State has maybe a couple more questions along the interior than the than the tackle positions going into camp. Uh, and that just being Landon Tangwall, how he comes back from injury, um, if he's the same guy, etc. And then Sal Wormley at right guard, how established, how um, vulnerable is he to a guy like Alex Birchmeyer making a run? So it could be, you know, Birchmeyer is pretty much ready for day one. Maybe he's not the starter. Maybe he's a co-starter. But I feel like he is the most likely guy of these two to burn his red shirt and play in year one, just because of all the factors involved there. Well, he's a very polished recruit. And I get some of this from our buddy T. Frank. This was also interesting, which I found out this week from T. Frank. And talking about Birchmeyer, he wrestled in high school. So he kept his weight down because of that. So this is a kid who could probably naturally put on more weight pretty quickly. And the other part to this is both uh, uh, Javen Williams and Alex Birchmeyer are early enrollees. So they're already on campus, Dusty. Yeah, get and in, in Birchmeyer's case, like by the way, as somebody who covers the sport of wrestling and watches it a lot, to have a Division One football recruit who has to cut weight to get down to heavyweight is such an unfair thing. You know, like you you just don't see that very very often. Um, but with Birchmeyer, and I'm I'm holy, I'm I'm a big believer in the benefits of, especially in the interior offensive line, the benefits of wrestling uh, with with that. But yeah, already on campus, and if the, if the staff wants to, to get him to 305, I wouldn't be surprised if he's already halfway there by now. You know, just the way that it looks like he'll be able to put on weight. So that that advantage at this position now, typically, I mean, I think it's kind of an old school viewpoint where you assume red shirts for all offensive linemen. I think that's starting to change a little bit as guys get more polished and they're uh, more focused and they're getting their bodies into a better place quicker out, out of high school. I think you're starting to see the playing time for young offensive linemen start to shift in college football, not just at Penn State, but nationally. And that, you know, I think Birchmeyer can play and he's, he's ready to play. So, you know, a little extra time and going through spring practice might make all the difference. 
and being a wrestler, that's a pretty good indicator that he's already his body. Um, he's an athlete, not just a, and, a big kid. And and the and the competitor, you know, I think I think wrestling brings a different level of competition out of you and a different level of toughness out of you, an understanding of leverage, a, an understanding of hand fighting. I mean, I think it all helps. I mean, PJ Mustafer was a good example of that too. It, it, definitely. And the other point I, I want to emphasize, and you alluded to it, is Drew Shelton played as a true freshman this past season. Not sure that was the first choice of the coaching staff, but injuries do happen quite a bit on the offensive line. And we saw it. We thought 2022, the offensive line took several steps forward, but Fashnu was hurt. Landon Tangwall was hurt. Caden Wallace was hurt. That's three out of five starters who dealt with injuries. So if you have that type of thing happening, you need more than five offensive linemen, Dusty. A hundred percent. And I think Drew Shelton like was an emergency plan. These guys, I would say maybe are emergency plans, but what I would say too is speaking of Caden Wallace is that if you see Javen Williams really look like the real deal immediately, Let's just say that that occurs. The coaching staff now has time because he's on campus to say, all right, maybe it's time to move Caden Wallace inside. Maybe may, maybe some other adjustments are made that clear pathways for, for other guys. I'm just throwing out there, that's another benefit of being there early and showing what you can do is the coaching staff can now adjust if they want to or they need to adjust to, uh, to clear a path for you. Staying with the big guys, okay? I didn't say staying with the offensive linemen. I said staying with the big guys. Matthias Mega Barnwell, which, by the way, Mega Barnwell is just the perfect name, Dusty. Absolutely perfect. He's 6'6", 250. We don't know where he's going to end up, but he's certainly an interesting uh, athlete. Well, I think since we've started doing uh, talking about doing this segment, I I did check. I mean, Penn State does have him listed as a tight end now. Um, he's six six two fifty. There was talk a lot about, and he was listed as an athlete coming out of high school. He was talked about a lot as maybe an offensive tackle, maybe a defensive end, maybe a defensive tackle. I, I don't know, but he's starting the his freshman season at tight end. And whether he remains there or whether he transitions out of it, there's crazier things that have happened than, you know, it's not an uncommon transition to go from tight end to offensive tackle, for example. Um, he, the, the fact remains to me that body shape wise and, uh, you know, opportunity wise, I mean, it's not crazy to me to think that maybe he emerges as a candidate for the third tight end job. You know, you've got Jerry Cross there. You've got a couple other tight ends in the class. Khalil Dinkins, I think, established himself pretty well. But if you want a blocking tight end and you are tapping into the rest of your depth, I think it could be the crazier things have happened than seeing Mega Barnwell um, start off the year playing. A little bit of foreshadowing. We are going to have a special guest in quarter four named Shane Paul, who wrote an article about Penn State's T formation. But think about that formation, Dusty, where they use three tight ends and they have two tight ends on one each on the edge of the line of scrimmage who could be considered a sixth offensive lineman, although they're eligible to go out and catch a pass. Or could you imagine him in the Brenton Strange role in the backfield 
as a leading blocker for either Nick Singleton or Katron Allen. I think he can play that role. And you look at the, you know, Khalil Dinkins, I I mean, to me, was a little on the light side last year. And I think Jerry Cross was injured. He, arri- he arrived a little on the light side. And it's not to say that those guys aren't in position to, uh, to play a big role next year because they could be. But the two other freshmen in this class are listed at 215 and 225. I mean, Barnwell is kind of an interesting guy to watch if he can really establish himself to the coaching staff as like a kick-ass blocker. If that's the role that he needs to play in year one, then then maybe he can earn it. Definitely. And again, the way that Mike Yursich has adjusted his offense to take advantage of where he has skilled players this past year, it was running back and tight ends. You never know. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we're going to continue this early impact conversation. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. It's quarter number two of our show. Don't forget to stick around. Quarter number four, Great, great segment with Shane Paul from For the Blogger. He's going to talk about uh, Penn State's T formation. It was a really fascinating conversation, Dusty. Not that you're not a special guest yourself, though. I get it. No, I get it. I'm a, I'm a routine guest. There's nothing special about me anymore. I just show up. We're like an old married couple. I just show up. I go through the motions. We go our separate ways. That's fine. Dusty, 
you will always be special to me. <laughs> Likewise, Jimmy. All right, let's move on. Let's move on from that conversation. We were talking about the freshmen and what players would have an early impact. And we ended up talking pretty much offensive line. J. Van Williams, Alex Birchmeyer, even Mega Barnwell, who we don't know where he's going to end up. It appears he'll start at least at tight end, which I believe is what uh, Barnwell wants to do. And James Franklin is willing to let him start there, which I think is great. But there are some other very talented players in this class. And let me go, uh, Dusty, to the defensive backfield, where anywhere on defense now, Penn State plays so many players. We saw that in 22. It would be no surprise if any freshman ends up playing. Yeah, and, and I think um, I think it's a nice influx of talent to help kind of push everybody along. Um, and we're you know looking at January enrollees. Uh, Elliot Washington uh, really jumps out to me, and he's he's a versatile guy. Like I I don't know. I mean, Penn State, for example, started Christian Driver at cornerback with the idea that he would transition to safety uh, later in his career, whether that was year two or year three or whatever. Uh, I could see them doing the same thing with Elliot Washington because his body type kind of lines up for that. But he's, you know, he's part of this group of, you know, uh, Florida Southern players. You know, he's six foot 195. I think Penn State has him at 5'11", 195. He could go in either direction. I think he's got the skill set to go in either direction. Uh, So I think that kind of helps in this argument, especially with him on campus early that Penn State can sort out exactly what they view his role to be. But he could be somebody who who um, cracks the the depth chart at either of those spots, because um, cornerback, I think, is in need of of trying to, um, uh, you know, clear up who's who's the fourth, fifth and sixth cornerbacks. Uh, I think those spots can be up for grabs. And then similarly at, at safety, I think you're looking for, for guys to establish themselves there. And I think he's mature enough and polished enough and he's athletic and competitive enough. I think some of these Southern guys, the way that they have to compete uh, day in, day out um, for their high school teams makes them a little, they're built a little bit different in some respects. So I, I like Elliot Washington and that versatility to to give Penn State some options and then to have the time now to mold him or build him or adjust his body type or his footwork to whichever position that they um, think that he can contribute uh, the best. It says something about those positions too, Dusty, when we're starting to talk about the fifth and sixth option. it's We're lining up the next generation is essentially what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the four game threshold makes this a very interesting topic because you can really use those games to assess in a real world environment, whether you need, whether you need to push the guy or whether you need to hold that guy back. And you had a few guys who ran up against it in Penn state for one reason or another had to, had to go across that line. Like Cam Miller is another cornerback. Uh, who that that's what happened with him. So I could see Elliot Washington, whether that's as a safety or as a corner, uh, being that guy that, that plays two or three games that maybe something happens down the line where he, his services are needed. Dusty, the next two guys I'm going to bring in, there's similarities and differences, but I want you to evaluate them together. 
One of them is Tony Rojas, who's listed at linebacker, 6'2", 195, and he's an early entry. But I also want to throw in there Dakari Nelson, who's not an early entry, listed as a safety, but he's actually bigger. He's 6'3", 205. But I, I look at them, what the similarity between them is Rojas is an undersized linebacker and Dakari Nelson is an oversized safety. But those are the kind of players that it feels like Manny Diaz finds a way to use them. Yeah, and, and I think James Franklin really values them too. And, you know, the the thinking being that, yes, Tony Rojas is a little on the light side for a linebacker. However, if he can hold up, you know, he's 6'2", 195. Now, I would expect maybe he's in like the 205 or 210 range um, come summertime. Maybe even more. We'll see. But, you know, the idea being that his speed is such a unique attribute at the linebacker position that if he's playing close and he can handle himself in the box and he can handle the physicality and he can, you know, work off blocks and do what linebackers have to do. Then you have a real unique asset with his speed at the linebacker position. And then I think similarly, Dakari Nelson is a huge safety, but I think they really view him as a safety. And if he's able to hold up and isn't exposed in coverage and all the things that when you're a little bit bigger for that position, you kind of worry about if he can establish himself and prove himself in those areas, then his length can be a game changer back there. You know, you've seen some really long safeties really thrive before. So I like that these guys are built uniquely for those positions. I don't think that the right move is to make Tony Rojas a hybrid or to make Dakari Nelson a hybrid. Maybe that's where they end up going. But I think for a starting point, both of these guys, to me, are interesting year one candidates because of, I think, still Penn State is trying to sort out the whole second team linebacker situation. They're still looking for guys who can fill a unique role at that spot. And Tony Rojas can. And I think the safety position still looking to, um, you know, compete and establish who's the four five, six there. I think Dakari Nelson would be an interesting option. I, I would forecast at this point that, I think Tony Rojas is more likely to burn his redshirt, and maybe maybe special teams is a, is a part of that for one or both of them. And I think Dakari Nelson may, would maybe be a little bit more likely to to redshirt as a as a freshman. Dustin, earlier we spoke about Mega Barnwell perhaps filling in at tight end somewhere, especially in these special formations where they're using three tight ends. But there's also two more tight ends that they brought into this class. Uh, Joey Schlaffer, he's going to be, he is already on campus as an early entry. The other tight end is um, Andrew Rappelier, and he's 6'5", 225, maybe the more ready to play college uh, football, but not going to be there early. Again, with the formations where they play three tight ends, might there be a place for either one of those guys? You know what? I mean, I think there's going to be a legitimate competition for those places, you know, and their presence as this trio, currently a trio with Mega Barnwell um, arriving as a tight end, really puts the burden on Jerry Cross, who was a freshman last year, and Khalil Dinkins to maintain their place. You know, nothing is assumed for them because all these guys – 
are pretty good competitors in their own right. Um, I really like um, Rappalia, however you pronounce his last name. I don't, I don't particularly like either of their last names, Joey Schlaffer. And uh, they're two of my least favorite last names that we don't, we haven't heard yet. So we don't know them, but, um, but you know, really good athletes. Rappalia has a uh, 39 inch vertical um, and he's six four two twenty five ish. So if, if, if he is a competitor and he has that athleticism and uh, it translates right away and, and all that, I mean, he could easily, like I, I could see any of these three guys being the third tight end, uh, but there's, they're going to, all of them are going to have to work for all of it. And I think that's what Penn state really wanted as you lose Brenton strange and you lose that kind of star studded trio and that falls into a duo. Now what they've got is a pipeline and then they've got depth and they've got legitimate competition for all those roles beneath um, uh, Theo Johnson and beneath uh um, Tyler, Tyler Warren. Warren. So yeah, I, I think they, I think Penn state's got what they want. There may be a little bit younger than they would want in terms of depth behind those two, but I think there's going to be a pretty fun competition because all these guys can play. And just as a, a general uh, overview, I mentioned defense, how many players got on the field last year. And that means there's almost no backups on on uh, defense because they rotate so many people yeah. and play them. But you're also seeing that at certain positions on offense, tight end being one of them. If you're regularly putting three guys out there at tight end, that's a lot of places for people to play. Dusty, I went over a lot of the freshmen. There's still several more. Who is it that I've left out that I haven't talked about yet who sticks out in your mind? Uh, number one on my list would be King Mac. Um, he's listed as a safety 5'11, 180, really big time speed. And when you've got that attribute and you come from like, he, I think he's a really uh, mature, polished competitor. He's, he's a good football player and he's got that, you know, state championship speed. Uh, anytime you got that, I don't care if you're arriving late or not, Penn State will be tempted to, to use it. And I would think King Mac is going to be firmly in the conversation to play right away um, at, at safety and or special teams. And then, um, you know, I'm not sure uh, Cameron Wallace would be another one to bring up just because Penn State doesn't really have many other options. Uh, London Montgomery comes off a major knee injury as a senior. Uh, Wallace has some really nice speed. I wouldn't expect him to um, to get a lot of touches or anything. But anything goes sideways at running back. I'm not sure Penn State has any other choice but to but to lean on one of these freshmen to play. And I think Wallace would be the more uh, likely one to do it. So I think those two names are, are high on my list as well of late arrivals who could be either forced their way in or could be forced to, to play in year one. You make a good point, though, Cameron Wallace. Sometimes for a young player to break through, do they have a specific, unique skill? Speed is one of those skills that you look for, and Cameron Wallace does have that. So he's a guy who could find his way onto the field as a way to demonstrate that special skill. And maybe it's a flank, or maybe he's the guy who runs the end arounds, that kind of special uh, special play. Like Amari Evans. Skills. Kind of like Amari Evans in year one. It, it, exactly. So perhaps we will see him. Dusty, that's it for quarter number two. Next segment, I hope you're ready for it. It's Ask Dustin. 
This is where we take your questions. We, we'll see how Dusty holds up to that pressure. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. That means it's time not to ask Andy. We're going to ask Dustin. And quarter number three is brought to you by our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. You know what they've got there. It's the great barbecue sauces, the great barbecue rubs, the Bloody Mary mix. Everything to make your tailgate extra special, Dusty. You and I are very familiar with their products. I think we'll both vouch for them. And at the end of our segment, Dusty will pick a winner for the best question and that questioner will get a prize pack from 409 Tailgate Club. Dusty, are you ready for the questions? Am I allowed to flip it and say the best answerer will get the package from 409 Tailgate Club? Is that allowed or no? No. Okay. Then I, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Let's start with Mark from Altoona. We spent a lot of time talking offensive linemen, Dusty. Here's what Mark says. With Fashionu coming back and being projected as a top draft pick, and the major hall of offensive linemen in this year's class, do you see Penn State becoming offensive line U? Has Troutwine now turned the corner with this position group? Man, I mean, I think those are that two-part question there. So becoming offensive line U, 
let's just say slow our roll a little bit on that one. We're not that far removed from perennial kind of disappointment along the offensive line. I think we need to see a little bit more before we start to think that 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 Penn State can be O-line you. However, I do think Phil Troutwine has turned, he's turning the corner. You know, I, I felt like, and this is just a theory that, you know, when, when he arrived and they were, he inherited a lot of players who were recruited and signed by their coaching staffs. Um, you know, there was an acclimation period to his style where now he's starting to inject almost exclusively guys that he targeted, that he recruited, that he built a relationship with, that he wanted for specific reasons. And I think that helps them in the reloading process from year to year. Of course, it also helps that in 2022, you know, they signed a tackle who played a really important role um, last year in Drew Shelton. They uh, have a guy, a young guy who looks like he's going to be a multi-year starter at guard and or tackle in Landon Tangwall. They've got what I think, and we tackled this before, this question kind of borders how we talked about the offensive line earlier in the show. They, they signed what I believe is Penn State's best offensive line recruiting class in 2023. So the probability of being able to be at a place where you're reloading with high-end talent every single year uh, I said it before and I'll say it again. I don't think there's been a better time to be optimistic about where this group is right now and where it can potentially go because they are recruiting, I think, and that includes the 24 and the 25 classes as well, which also have high four stars already on the board. Um, they, this this group looks like it's in a pretty good position to reload at a very high level each and every year. And if they follow through on that, maybe in six or seven years, Mark from Altoona can ask if Penn State's becoming O-line U. I think they're closer to becoming tight end U than offensive line U, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, let's go to Jason and Nanakoke who says, with the addition of Luke Fickle to Wisconsin, Matt Rule to Nebraska, USC coming in with Lincoln Riley, UCLA with Chip Kelly, along with Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day. I have James Franklin as the seventh best coach in the league at best. Do you agree? Man, I mean, it's really assuming a lot. Like the Matt Rule one really jumps out. Obviously, Matt Rule did tremendous things at Baylor. He did tremendous things at Temple. His his pride is a little wounded coming out of the whole Carolina Panthers disaster. Uh, he arrives at, I think it's a pretty good fit for him, but you know, I, I really thought the, the previous coach, I thought Scott Frost was a perfect fit for Nebraska coming off what he did at UCF. So I'm not ready to assume that Matt rule overtakes uh, James Franklin. I'm, uh, you know, like I think Luke Fickle at Wisconsin is a pretty ideal marriage too. And he's pretty much taken his whole entire Cincinnati team with him uh, as he, as he goes there. So I think Wisconsin can be pretty quick to, to reload, but I don't know. I mean, can, can I definitively say that Luke Fickle is a better coach than, than James Franklin? I mean, I, I, I don't have James Franklin seventh in, in the coaching rankings. Um, Lincoln Riley has kind of proven, what he is and what he can do at both Oklahoma and USC. And I think there that's mostly good, but he's also developed programs that really can't play defense when they need to play defense. So I'll be interested to see as you get into a little bit more defensive minded league, uh, how does that translate there? 
you know, Chip Kelly is doing some good stuff at, at UCLA as well. Uh, but, you know, as last I checked, James Franklin and Penn State were the higher ranked, better team in 2022. So can we really say that Chip Kelly is a better coach than James Franklin? I'm not really buying that he's the seventh best coach in the league. What I am buying is that the level of competition and the level of coaching and you hope that Nebraska develops, and you hope that uh, the way that Wisconsin was in 2022 can be changed quickly because of Luke Fickle's presence. You hope that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats kind of things with these coaches. But I think Jason from Nanakoke is probably more down on James Franklin than I am. Like he certainly got questions to answer, but I'm not going to call him a middle tier coach in the big 10 conference. Yeah. It, this, and perhaps this is a topic for us for a full segment, uh, dusty in analyzing these coaches. And I think you brought up the best example with Scott Frost. When he first came in from Nebraska, I think a lot of people were ready to say, perfect fit. He's going to win there. If he can win at Central Florida, imagine what he could do at Nebraska. Your circumstances mean so much. Ryan Day, would he be in this conversation for top coaches if he had taken over Maryland or Rutgers instead of taking over Ohio State? If he hadn't started on third and thought he hit a triple. (laughs) One of my favorite quotes of all time. Exactly. You beat me to the punch. That's exactly where I was headed. And I think another example, Greg Schiano at Rutgers, remember his last time there, he had them at one point ranked in the top five in the country. He was in a different conference, different circumstances then. Uh, and, and Chip Kelly, he's living off his reputation at Oregon. Yeah, I mean, he's doing a nice job at UCLA, and there's reasons to be optimistic about what's going on with Chip Kelly. Uh, Chip Kelly, yeah, I think Matt Rule's circumstances have a little bit of Chip Kelly in there because of the way things ended pretty disaster, uh, disastrously um, at the pro level, and now he's coming back. College football has also changed a great deal, even in those couple years Matt Rule was in Carolina. So there's going to be an adjustment period for him. And also with Matt Rule, I'm not denying that if you want to have a coach who's the best at taking a program from the bottom, making the absolute most out of what he has and building something that's all around grit and and all that, like he's tremendous. Like I think he's going to make an immediate difference at Nebraska and the culture and the way that they compete. I just don't know if he can guide a contender. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's great to say, but Nebraska needs at least two or three years before we're even talking about Matt Rule on the same plane as James Franklin. And I'm going to throw two more quick names out there, Dusty, just for thought. Pat Fitzgerald and Brett Bielema. Would another coach do as well at Northwestern as Pat Fitzgerald? I know they go up and down, but the issues they have to deal with. And the other, Brett Bielema. Did anyone imagine two years ago that Illinois would win eight games the way they did this past season? Yeah. Would Ryan Day or a Jim Harbaugh have won eight games with Illinois this past year? I'm not sure, Dusty. Yeah. So let's move on. Um, Bill from Carlisle says, I think the team can be better in 2023, but I don't see them catching up to Michigan or Ohio State. That leaves them exactly where they currently are. 10 and two and third in the division. Do you agree? Uh, I mean, mathematically, it's hard to deny what, what Bill is saying. 
Um, but I think, you know, if you're a fan, all you have is a belief that they can get there. And I think the way that they've competed against Ohio State, you know, they are still a bouncer to away like they were in 2016 from actually winning that game and transforming the season. And if you transform the season, then who knows what you can do with the future as well. You know, I think they had that opportunity in 2016, maybe didn't make the most out of that window that, that they had. Uh, and then in terms of catching up with Michigan, you know, I think Penn State arguably has a more talented team uh, in, in some of these years than Michigan does. But can you match Michigan's style and take away what they want to do and impose your will on the game and not allow Michigan to impose their will on the game? That's the big question I have. But I, I think Penn State is is in position to beat these guys. But I, I would say, yeah, they can be better in 23, but it's hard to predict that they beat either one of these teams because they haven't done it on a consistent basis at all. So are you predicting they're 0-2 against those teams this year? I'll make that prediction, sure. I'm going with 1-1. One one. I'm saying they beat Michigan at home and lose at Ohio State, Dusty. And to make things even more interesting, how about it then Michigan beats Ohio State, so there's a three-way tie and all three teams have one loss. Wouldn't that be fun? Let's make it one big mess. I'm for it. <laughs> okay, let's go to uh, but, but Gary in State College who says, will Drew Aller make us think differently about the quality of the wide receivers? I mean, I think that's what a good, what a great quarterback is and what a great quarterback can do. So I think he definitely can be a guy who makes the most of it. Like, look at what the what the New England Patriots did around Tom Brady. Yeah, they had a Randy some Randy Moss years and they've had some guys come along, but mostly his presence allowed them to focus, you know, in their case in free agency, less on bringing in dynamic wide receivers because they had a quarterback who can throw them open. So I think in a perfect world, yeah, Aller can make them think differently about the wide receivers. I also am thinking differently about the wide receivers now with Malik McLean and Dante Cephas on board. Like I think that group is a lot is a lot more viable. So yeah, I think I think Aller can make you think differently about uh, wide receivers. I don't think Sean Clifford was the guy who can elevate all the talent around him. I think if if the circumstances were right, he can be the guy that can lead a really good team. But I think Aller is is has the ability to make everybody around him better, including the wide receiver. So, yes. All right, Dusty. Pressure's now on. We need a winner. Well, I thought we had a really good collection of questions, and um, I- I'm going to go with Jason from Nanakoke with the, with the Big Ten coaches. It really makes you think about um, – not James Franklin's play so much, but I think the improvement and the coaching across the league and how good it really has become from top to bottom. It did uh, add to the conversation. And like I said, I think it's a great idea for a segment in the future. Jason, you win the prize just for giving us ideas for future segments. (laughs) That's it for quarter number three. And Dustin, stick around. We're going to talk about the T formation that Penn State used this year. Stick around for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galanti with our special guest, Shane Paul from ForTheBloggy.com. And I'm really excited about having Shane on the show after he wrote a fantastic article over at For the Bloggy that explains the T formation that Penn State used this season to great effect. Shane, thanks for being with us. Let's start with this. Could you explain the T formation and the personnel that Penn State uses in this formation? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. Uh, so I'll kind of touch on the the schematics or the skeleton of the formation uh, here to start. So um, T formation, self-explanatory, um, kind of in the shape of a T. Um, so you'll have two inline tight ends. They're going to be in three-point stances um, on the line of scrimmage. And then you're going to have three backs. Um, you're going to have one behind the left guard, one behind the quarterback or the center, um, and then the other one uh, behind the right guard, uh, forming uh, effectively as a T. Um, so that's kind of where you get T formation from. Um, personnel-wise, um, you know, a lot of teams use 32 personnel, which is three running backs and two tight ends. Obviously, with Penn State's personnel, they have a little bit more of an interchangeable uh, kind of thing going on with uh, with their tight ends. So uh, Brenton Strange, number 86, kind of doubles as their fullback uh, in that sense. He's lined up directly behind the quarterback um, and kind of acts as that lead blocker uh, or, you know, fullback um, in their T package. And now in your article, you talked about the fact that this is symmetrical, the two tight ends along the line of scrimmage, two running backs, the fullback or Brenton Strange, the tight end directly behind the quarterback. It creates a symmetrical formation. How does that create an advantage for Penn State? Right. So anytime an offense is completely symmetrical, um, essentially what that means is that if you draw a line directly down the middle of the center, um, there should be equal bodies or equal humans on both sides. Um, so obviously in this package, 
Um, if you were to kind of draw a line right down the middle of the center, uh, going through the middle of the quarterback and through the middle of the fullback, um, there's equal or in theory, equal bodies on each side. Um, so as a defense now, if you don't line up exactly symmetrical as the offense is, uh, mathematics show that, you know, you have a, an advantage to either the left or the right side. Um, does it always work out that way? Not, not necessarily, or else, you know, every play would be a touchdown. But obviously, you know, when you have a numerical advantage to, you know, either the left or the right side, uh, you have, a, you know, an advantage before the ball's even snapped. So when we see Penn State go to the line of scrimmage and the quarterback decides to look back at the coaching staff, they're trying to determine if there is that advantage personnel-wise one way or the other. So does this mean going to the line of scrimmage, they don't know which side, Penn State, the offense doesn't know which side they're going to run to, the defense dictates which way they run. Yeah, so, you know, obviously none of us know uh, for, you know, 100% certainty uh, whether that's the case without being in the meeting room every day with Coach Yersich. Um, but we can make some pretty strong uh, assumptions that that is the case. Um, you know, you see, you see Clifford, you know, will take a peek to the sideline. Um, and I'm sure they have a code word at the line of scrimmage, you know, signaling, signaling whether we're running left or right. Um, you know, like you said, dictated off of how the defense is lined up. Have personnel in there. You mentioned it earlier. It's not a case where just anybody could run this formation. Penn State is uniquely ready for this formation because they do have the three tight ends, three good tight ends, and they have two very good running backs. So that makes them uniquely well-placed to run this type of formation. Is that right? hundred percent. So something I've always kind of applauded Coach Yersich on is his ability to play to his team's strengths. Um, he did it when he was the OC at Oklahoma State, um, when he was helping out uh, at Ohio State. He's always kind of found uh, the best ways to get his best players on the field at all times. Um, so obviously Penn State had a very strong tight end room. Uh, they call themselves the Aces. Um, and then the lawn boys, uh, as Coach Sider refers to, his running back room. So, yeah, any way you can find a way to get, you know, all those guys on the field at once, you know, that's that's kind of doing your job as an OC. Um, and you see Yersis do that here with the T package. So, and I'm sure we'll get into it later, but now um, their ability to put these tight ends and these running backs on the field, that can also create mismatches on the perimeter. At the end of the day, it's, it's how can we get our best players on the field uh, and create um, opportunities for them to be successful. Now, we have a smart guy on the offense, Mike Yursich. Unfortunately, there's pretty smart defensive coordinators also who study film, watch what's going on, and you can see Penn State run either off-tackle left, off-tackle right, depending on how the defense is uh, set up. But you also have the defense will make adjustments once they've seen this. What adjustments are they making and then what, how does Mike Yersich counteract that? Right. So the off-tackle play, as you mentioned, uh, commonly referred to as blast uh, in the T-formation world. Uh, there's high schools uh, that run the T-formation that they'll refer to it as blast. And essentially what that means is you're going to get the whole front side of the offensive line. So if we're running to the right, the front side will be the right. They're all going to block down, which is towards the football or towards the center. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to do that when the man you're supposed to block is already lined up inside of you. Um, so, you know, defensive coordinators, obviously knowing that this package is probably coming uh, in short yardage situations, they would start to widen their fronts. So now if I'm playing right tackle and we're running right, um, instead of the man I'm supposed to block being in my inside gap, he might be either head up or, you know, outside shade of me. 
So now, you know, here he has leverage pre-snap um, and it's going to be a lot harder of a block for me to be able to get to his uh, get to his high shoulder um, and take him down towards the football. Yursich, you know, you talk about football being a chess match, essentially. If you want to widen fronts, that's OK. You know, you, that a gap is now, you know, gaping, a gaping hole. So, you know, we saw them run uh, the QB sneak a few times early on in the season and they came back to it a couple of times as that went on. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing fancy about the QB sneak. Uh, the team who gets the most push at the line of scrimmage or, uh, you know, who's the most physical at the point of attack is going to win the rep. So that's kind of how the, uh, the chess match went about as the season went on. Then the next development when things I think really got fascinating is the defense counteracts. They expect the ball to be run like the blast or off tackle or the quarterback snake. I'm sure the defense is now starting to compensate by putting big bodies up against that. Well, then Penn State had an answer for that then also, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I touched on it a minute ago. Um, Penn State's tight ends and running backs really have the ability to play multiple positions. Uh, they're, they're football players. They're great athletes. So um, if defensive coordinators want to now sub in, you know, they're, they're 300 pounders, uh, that's fine, but they better be prepared to play in space. So, you know, I'll, I'll touch on the quads bunch first. Um, you saw this, I believe, first against Ohio State um, where they motioned uh, three running backs uh, and a tight end out into a bunch formation to the left. Um, and you saw Ohio State had no idea what to do because, you know, the, the defensive linemen that were subbed in, they don't know the coverage checks. You know, they weren't in the, in the defensive back meetings all week. So, you know, they're kind of looking around like, oh, boy, what do we do? So at the end of the day, it's forcing defenses to communicate. Um, and it's just another thing they have to prepare for every week. Um, so, you know, they, they ran the T formation 27, 28 times all year. Uh, that's not a lot in comparison to you know every other formation that they run. So from a defensive coordinator standpoint, now you have to worry about that amongst, you know, the hundreds of other uh, possibilities that you might run into um, playing against them. And the first thing you noticed, and you highlighted this in your article, is you mentioned the confusion that Ohio State had. They ended up having to call a timeout because they were unprepared for this. And then several games later, when it's already out there, you saw Michigan State was so confused by it. They had three guys trying to do coverage for four guys in the quad bunch and it created a total mismatch. Yes. Yeah, so we've, we've talked a lot about math on this session <laughs> and uh, I think that goes to show you something about football. I mean, it's simple math at the end of the day, when you, uh, when you're running quads, you know, when you're in a bunch formation like that and you have four eligible receivers against three defenders, you have a mathematical advantage. You know, you have three blockers for those three and you have a ball carrier. So he wouldn't, he doesn't even have to make anyone miss. As long as everyone does their job uh, and gets their block, he should walk into the end zone. Um, and I think Nick Singleton did that. Nick Singleton did that at some point this year. And then you want to get four out uh, over the quads. Well, then there's probably single coverage with, uh, with Tyler Warren on the other side of the field. Um, and you saw him convert a big fourth down uh, against Ohio state from that. So, you know, as we've talked about it, it's simple math. So you want the mathematical advantage, but what you also need is the personnel that could do these type of things. I think it was unique for a college football team to have three good title. Tyler Warren was considered your number three tight end. 
and was still you had confidence with him in a fourth down situation in a one-on-one environment to be able to make the play. You have Catron Allen and Nick Singleton. You have two running backs. If you're on defense, you can't say, well, we should focus on this one or focus on that one or the other one's going to hurt you, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's really pick your poison at the end of the day. As we talk about the the best players on the field are the tight ends and the running backs in our offense. Uh, we've got some good receivers, but the players that the the D coordinators are spending the most time preparing for are those tight ends. Um, you know, and they're they're also versatile. I think is the biggest thing. Like Brandon Strange's ability to to lead uh, an off tackle run like that is is not common. And is that something Tyler Warren could do? Probably not. But he'll, you leave him one on one. You know, you're going to pay for it. And now I think you put the defense in such a quandary. We mentioned already, Ohio State was so confused that the first time they saw this shift, they called the timeout. Michigan State, they were so confused. They had only three players covering four. Now, as we look forward to the 23 season, what else are we going to see out of this formation, Shane? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, Jim. Um, if I had to guess, I think we're going to see a lot more quads. You know, we're returning two of those three aces uh, or tight ends, and I'm sure somebody's going to step up. So, I mean, I wouldn't expect too much more from a schematic standpoint. I mean, the art of it is in the simplicity. Um, so you don't want to overcomplicate things in this package. You know, they're not going to be a team that, you know, is running the power T or the T formation, um, you know, 15, 20 times a game. Um, but I think if they stay uh, with the usage that they used this previous year, um, and, you know, and add a wrinkle here, here and there, um, I've always thought they should they should throw a double move to to Warren out of that quads package. So as before, he kind of ran that one step dart or slant route, um, and the DBs were sitting on that. You know, the the other two times that they used that shift. So I think maybe a double move out of that. Um, but as for new stuff, I wouldn't expect too much more. Just uh, for the sole fact that the art of it is in the the simplicity. All right. When we see that double move next season, remember, you heard it here first. Unfortunately, Shane, we are out of time. Thanks for that great explanation. Make sure you check out ForTheBloggy.com to read Shane's article, and we'll see you next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. 